Grace Assembly. I'm so glad that you could join us this morning and we've been praying for you all week and recognize that as the weather is warming up and things are changing, the activities of your family are changing and we hope that you continue to make this church service and gathering together in your families a vital part of your, your weekly schedule and your time together growing in the Lord spiritually. I don't know about you, but this week I've had some conversations with God, just sharing my frustrations, and I don't know if any of you ever do that with God, but I was beginning to talk to him about all of the things that I have felt upset with because they've been interrupted in my life. And at one of those quiet moments when I quit talking, the Spirit of the Lord just began to settle in my heart and reminded me of our mission statement at our church here at Grace Assembly that we are the people of God, living in the power of God, fulfilling the purposes of God reminded me of the vision statement that we have, that locally to globally pursuing every heart with the love of Jesus. And then he spoke to me and said, none of these things have been interrupted, that in the way that we live our lives and the way that we communicate with people, all of our mission and our vision is alive and well. And I pray that that's the case for you as well, that you are living on mission, that you're living in vision and that people matter to you and that you touch their lives with the love and grace of God wherever you go. This morning, I want to return back to the theme that we have been in in the last three weeks when we've been talking about the war of light and darkness. I thought this was only going to be a couple of weeks, and it has kind of just begun to explode in my thoughts, and we probably will be on this theme for at least another couple of weeks. But today, I'm going to ask that you would turn back to Ephesians chapter 6, and I would like to highlight verse 13 and then read verses 18 through 20. The scripture says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. In verses 18 through 20, the scripture declares, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Heavenly Father, I ask right now that you would release your Holy Spirit, that everybody who is watching and everybody that is listening right at this moment might sense the presence of our divine, victorious God with them. Only you know what's going on in every heart and in every home. And, and Lord, we pray that you would do your work even in the situations that we find ourselves in. And so we ask that you would touch us and lead us and guide us and teach us through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that constantly astonishes me is that God, with one flick of his little finger, could dispatch Satan and all of his demons out of the world and out of the way forever. But instead of doing that, he employs human agents to do war with them and fight them in order to gain victories against them. And I know that when I say this, that there must be something about God's unsearchable wisdom that as he begins to look at the situation of our world, that he understands he gets more glory and we get more joy in our lives by participating in the triumph than if he had removed all of the battles from our lives to begin with. I don't know what else to say because he could so easily do this without us. He could just get rid of the devil 
so that all we would have to deal with is just this human flesh. But he hasn't chosen to get rid of the devil. He will throw the devil and all of his demons into the lake of fire at judgment one day. But right now, God lets him run on a leash and lets him do damage in the world in which we live. When you have lived long enough, you come to realize that life is not a playground, but it's a battleground. When you have lived long enough, you come to realize that life is not always easy. And while we cherish those times of fun and frivolity and, and, and play, we dread those times of pain and anguish and struggle. Life has been described as being bittersweet. We have those times of sweetness and joy that we embrace and long for, but there are those other times of life, those bitter moments that bring us tears and hurt and bitter pain. And Paul is writing as he is concluding this treatise to the church of Ephesus, and he talks to them about the battleground of life. We call it spiritual warfare. It is the war of light versus darkness. But in this particular passage, Paul is not talking about just any kind of battle. He describes this one by describing it as the battle in an evil day. It's called the evil day. The evil day is the day when all hell breaks loose on you. The evil day is when you are overwhelmed. He's talking about when you are under major spiritual attack. Your world is shattered. Your dreams are being destroyed. Your hopes are being dimmed. And where you look out and the only light you see seems to be an oncoming train about to take you out. Paul calls that the evil day. The day when hell is after you and your name has come up. Paul says that when that day comes, that period of time when you are under major spiritual assault comes. He said, I want you to know how to approach this. Because on that day, on that evil day, you are going to need the strength of the Lord, he says in verse 10. Normal stuff won't work here. Nominal Christianity is not going to cut it here. Playing church absolutely will not work here. On that day, you are going to need the supernatural. And so he goes on in these verses leading to the subject of prayer to tell us how to approach this time in your life. And Paul indicates to us something here in Ephesians 6, something that is important to note because it gives us perspective here. He says to us, everything that is visible and physical is directly affected by that which is invisible and spiritual. Let me repeat that. Everything that is visible and physical is directly affected by that which is invisible and spiritual. So Paul wants you to know that in the time of your attack, the first thing that we want to address is the visible and the physical. But you need to know from a different perspective that you are living out what is happening in an invisible realm. There is a battle going on that you are being affected by. And he gives us this term all throughout the book of Ephesians, but specifically here he talks about 
heavenly places or heavenly realms. And this means that there's a spiritual realm. What he's saying is that when you are under assault, when your life is being shattered, when you are trying to walk in the will of God and trying to do the right thing, but your well-being is being attacked, your family is being attacked, your health is being attacked, your stability is being attacked, your resources are being attacked, your future is being attacked. Paul says that during those times, you have to view things from the perspective of the heavenly places. And he wants to set in plan a place for how you were to go about making it through the evil day. There are some of you today that you are currently living through an evil day. And what I'm about to say is going to matter to you. There are others of you that have not yet lived through the evil day. And for you, I say, just keep living because it will come. But when those times come, when that evil day attacks, when those issues start to face you, Paul says, here's what you need to do. Three times he says, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. Don't quit, don't give up, don't give in. Because the temptation in those moments of our life is so easily to throw in the towel when your world is collapsing right in front of your eyes and say, I give up. I'm tired of this fight. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm just stepping out and I'm tapping out. The first thing that I want you to understand that Paul indicates to us is that you wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen to me. People are not the source of your problem. They may be the conduit for your problem, but people are not the source of your problem. For we, Christians, struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world. And then the scripture says, and against the spiritual forces of evil, where? In the heavenly places, in the heavenly realm. I received a wonderful email this week from an individual who had watched the message last week on understanding the devil's schemes. And with a new understanding of what was really happening in their life and in their marriage, they were able to go back home and look their spouse in the eyes and state, you are not my enemy. I've been taught today that you are not my enemy. And that the stuff going on between us that's being stirred up by the devil is really something that's happening in the spiritual realm that we are living out here. And as a couple, they were able to come together and, and reconnect. And by the end of the day, they said we were able to rebuke the enemy and reaffirm the strength of our marriage because we are founded on God alone. And I believe that that's important to recognize. People are not your problem. There is a war taking place in the heavenlies. And you are experiencing the crossfire of that. When you are under the fire of oppression, when you are under the fire of the evil one, you do not run away from God when you are in the evil day. You run to God 
And so many times in our natural desire, we want to run from him because we think he doesn't care. And it's exactly the opposite. We need to make a beeline to the presence of the Lord, to be in his presence, to read his word, and to engage in prayer so that we can find our safe place in the heavenly realms. He tells us to dress for spiritual success. He gives us the armor of God and asks you to get dressed for the battle in the stuff that he has made for you for just this moment. And the question is then asked, how do we put on the armor of God? How do we put on Jesus? And verse 18 says this, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. The way you put on Christ, the way that you gear yourself up for this battle and practically utilize everything that he has given to you is to engage yourself in prayer. Once you get the armor on, the armor is not sufficient in and of itself. You can go to museums and see coats of armor and series of armor, but they are useless and lifeless unless there's something to activate them. The armor needs an activating and, and an animating power to it. So Paul is saying, when you have the armor on, you activate it by praying at all times in the spirit. You cannot succeed in battle if the communication lines go down. This is the mystery of prayer. And it is the key to victory in your spiritual warfare. It is the Holy Spirit tapped into by your prayer that takes the armor that God has provided and animates it and gives it life so that it works on your behalf as you enter into this battle. This idea that Paul establishes for us that everything visible and physical is being affected by that which is invisible and spiritual is proven to us in an Old Testament account. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 10 because there are some unique insights into warfare in the heavenly realm. In these few verses that I'm about to read, they, they kind of pull back the veil and we catch a glimpse of what takes place behind the scenes in this heavenly places, in the heavenly realm of how the angels of God and the angels of the enemy often interact. In Daniel chapter 10 verse 1, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. The message was true and concerned a great war. In verse 10, a hand touched me and sent me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So God 
sends this angel to Daniel to do two things for him. First, he comes to comfort and reassure him. In verse 12 and in verse 19, he says to him, do not be afraid. And in that message, I believe there's a message that you and I who may be facing an evil day need to hear today. Your God says to you, do not be afraid. Even when things are outside of your control. Even when things seem to be slipping through your fingers. Our God is still in control and knows what he is doing. Some of you today need to understand that you cannot contain great fear and great faith in your heart simultaneously. They are mutually exclusive and the Lord wants you to stand fast on the faith and trust that you have in him. The second thing that the angel comes to do is to deliver answers to Daniel's prayer. And in the process of this, we learn something about the mystery of prayer that is critically important for us when we pray today. Daniel is a man of purity. He is a man of prophecy. He is a man of prayer. And there are different kinds of prayer. There's, there's the prayer of faith. There's the prayer of thanksgiving. There's the prayer of praise. There's the prayer of petition. There's the prayer of commitment. There's the prayer of consecration. There's a prayer of agreement. But then there is also warfare prayer. And warfare prayer, number one, starts with a burden. It tells us in verse 2 and 3 of this particular passage that Daniel was so burdened for what was going on in the society around him that he stops eating meat he stops drinking wine. He stops using body lotion to soften the effects of living in this dry desert. He probably is living on bread and water alone. And we look at to say, why is he burdened? According to the timing of this vision, the Jews should have started going back to Jerusalem to begin to repopulate Israel. History tells us many of them grew so accustomed to the Persian lifestyle that they decided to stay where they were. In fact, the entire book of Esther describes the Jews in Persia after they were given the right to return to their homeland. And, and Daniel is so burdened for his people, the Jews, because they have fallen in love with the wrong world. I was thinking about that this week as everything was going on within our world. How burdened really are we in the church for the moral decay that exists in America? How burdened are we for the racism that we see acted out on a daily basis in our world? How alarmed at you to see the culture slipping slowly but surely down the slippery slope of degradation and moral filth. I believe that in the church today, something is happening. There is a prophetic preparation that is beginning to take place in the hearts of God's people. I believe that there's a stirring that's happening as we begin to see the signs in our world around us of what we're doing and where we are going. And there's a stirring that's happening in the hearts of God's people saying, we must pray because we see the danger signs if we don't. And if we continue on this pathway, we will see the destruction of everything that we hold dear. For the spirit-filled and the spirit-led believer, this burden in our heart, this prophetic burden 
in our hearts should cause us to fast and pray. We are facing the same problem they did in Daniel's day. Too many people are falling in love with the culture of our godless world. This is why the scripture says that in the last days, or as the end time begins to grow near, the love of many will grow cold. That's a sobering thought, that we would grow so in love with this culture that we would lose the prophetic sense that we must fast and pray for our nation. I've had a number of conversations this week with pastors who are friends of mine. One of the things that concerns each of us is that the longer that we go without the habit of gathering back together as God's people in the Lord's house, the easier it is for some to fall away. In fact, I was stunned this week to read that Barna has done a survey that said today, this week, 48% of the people that say they regularly attended church before this have not even watched their service online in four weeks. That in this period of time, the love of the culture and the love of what's going on around us overwhelms our desire to be involved in the things of the Lord. And so today I pray with Daniel that you would have a heart that would prophetically see what's going on around us and that you would begin to enter into this battle in the heavenlies by fasting and praying. The second thing that comes out of this passage is that prayer persists until the answer comes. Daniel doesn't just pray once and say, there, I have done my duty. I have talked to God about this problem. The rest is in his hands. If he wants to do something about it, then he will. The scripture indicates to us that following this burden, he humbles himself before God, and he is in a heavy spirit of mourning for three weeks. The angel reports to Daniel, his prayer had been heard since the first day he prayed. I love that nothing hinders our prayers from reaching the ears of our God. However, the answer had not yet come. Rather than saying, well, that's it, I prayed about it, and giving up, he continues to pray with great fervency for three more weeks, and he's praying all this time. God, give me understanding. In other words, let me have a sense that there is something happening in the heavenly realms that is affecting me in the physical realm today. And the more he prayed during those days, the more it seemed as if silence was coming back. And he kept on praying and he kept on knocking on the door of heaven. And for three weeks he petitioned God and he wrestled and he agonized and he wept, waiting all the time, unaware. There was a battle raging in the heavenlies on his behalf that what was happening there was directly affecting his life here. Daniel experienced a delay because Satan's forces were fighting against him getting his answer to prayer. If Daniel's persistence in prayer had not outlasted this period of delay, this story would have turned out vastly different. The deciding factor was his perseverance and his determination to keep on praying until the answer came. The reason the Bible tells us to persist in prayer, listen to this, the reason we are told to persist in prayer is not to overcome God's reluctance, but to prevail against Satan's opposition. 
I'm convinced too many people stop praying before God sends an answer. And we think just because we haven't got an instant answer that it's not God's will, so we stop praying. That's not the Bible way of praying. We are told to keep on praying, keep on fasting, keep on pressing in. When Jesus taught his disciples about prayer, he, he used a present tense verb signifying a continuous action. For instance, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, the translation as it would be for us today would be this. Ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. And I ask you this morning, is there an area in your life that in this evil day that you were experiencing that you simply have stopped praying about and have given up on prayer? Because if so, I want to encourage you, re-engage in prayer. Something has happened in the heavenlies that's affecting you physically here on earth and your prayer will make the difference. The third thing we see in this is that prayer is often resisted by Satan's soldiers. There are three reasons why the answer to our prayers may be delayed. Verse 13 gives us insight into the battle of prayer that's taking place within the invisible and the spiritual world around us. And we learn from this passage that our enemy, Satan, is fighting to hold back the victory from you. I love the fact that he can't stop us from praying. He can't stop our prayers from reaching the heart of God. His only battle is to keep the ministering angels from bringing the victory to us. And so that's where the war takes place. In this passage, the angel says, the angel speaking to Daniel, who finally arrives, said, I was delayed by the prince of Persia. Now that's demonic forces. That is a, a demon that he's speaking of. And he says that Michael, who is an angel of God, an archangel, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there. In verse 20, the angel says, Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go, the prince of Greece is going to come. In other words, church, the war is not over yet. We must engage and we must remain engaged in what is happening around us. This angel is using warfare language. Have you ever thought about the fact that, that the devil has highly organized, demonized, mobilized army? That he assigns demons to certain nations and to governments to try to influence them for evil? Just as there was a prince of Persia, and a prince of Greece that is mentioned in the scripture that are fighting in the demonic army. I'm convinced today that there is a prince of America. I believe that there is a prince of China and a prince of Russia that is at work within all of these governments trying to bring about chaos and hatred and dissension. And in the middle of all of this, the church stands as the light of Jesus Christ, full of the Holy Spirit and full of power. And that our prayers mean something and make a difference. The New Testament tells us that of these prince of demons, that they have a job in our world. And here's what they do. According to 2 Corinthians 4, 4, they blind the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of Christ. Revelation 12, 9 says that they lead the world astray. Matthew 13, 39 says that they plant weeds or unbelievers throughout the world to try to disrupt the things of the church. 
Matthew chapter 13 verse 4 says, These demons are running around and as soon as the word of God is proclaimed, they are picking up the seed before it can be eaten or grown. They are working to create as much evil and corruption and spiritual darkness as they can. Satan has ruined everything he's ever touched. And he will wreck your life if you don't resist him. Our only hope is God's promise. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So when Paul instructs us in Ephesians 6 to put on the whole armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's, the devil's schemes, that, that you are fighting forces of evil in heavenly places, in the heavenly realms, and that you pray on the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, he's not kidding around. He is serious about what is happening in this spiritual war. Those of you that know me recognize that I'm not a person that sees a demon behind every tree. I'm not like some people who hear somebody sneeze and say, ooh, I pray that the demon of sneeze gets away from you. you know. But I am convinced that there is an invisible world of spiritual conflict that rages around us and that our prayers are an important part of the battle plan of God to defeat the enemy. The devil has soldiers and they operate in every area, the entire world over. He stirs up prejudice against the church of Christ. He's always seeking to resist the spread of the gospel and the building of God's kingdom. That is why spiritual prayer is our warfare. And lastly, prayer is our strategic weapon. Prayer is relational communication with God. A lot of people want to pray when they are in spiritual warfare who have not prayed until they got into spiritual warfare. In other words, they haven't been standing strong in the Lord, and because they haven't been standing in the Lord, now when they find themselves in an emergency, they suddenly want the Lord to step in and work on their behalf, and they need Him. He is talking about here staying in a place, staying in an attitude of prayer all the time. I believe that we need to come to a new understanding again, and maybe the circumstances of our world and what we're going through right now will, will shake us back to the understanding that prayer is the most powerful activity that we can participate in. And as believers, it is the greatest weapon that we have. It's logical to conclude that we can expect the greatest opposition then when we are on our knees. And Daniel teaches us, the price we must pay for victory is persistent praying until the answer is received. Listen to me this morning. Satan trembles when he hears God's people pray. Your prayer makes him uncomfortable. It makes his job to destroy you and to destroy those around you much, 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 much harder when the church rises up and prays. And Paul says, pray always in the Spirit. God is our only hope. So we cry out to God and we trust God. And when you make prayer your lifestyle, when your evil day comes, and it will, you will find a strength that does not come from you. If you are making praying in the spirit of lifestyle, you will stand firm when your evil day comes. Listen, don't treat the spirit like you treat church. 
Don't just come for a visit for a few minutes and then leave. No, the Spirit says you walk in me, you live in me, you are enabled by me, you are protected by me, and I am armoring around you if you will stay in me. So stay in contact with the Spirit day in and day out every day. So I want this church and congregation of Grace Assembly to be known as a house of prayer. Praise God for great music. Praise God for preaching. All of that is critical to worship. But if we don't make contact with heaven, all we did was watch a religious event or watch a TV show today. But if we as a church, as individuals, will cry out to God when God meets you in your evil day, however that happens, you will find that sometimes he'll take you through it. Sometimes he'll deliver you out of it. And sometimes he will just give you the strength to deal with it. He works in all kinds of ways. However he decides to do it, you need to know that your prayer is affecting things in the spiritual realm that's affecting your life here. So how I would like to conclude this service this morning is this. So many times you've gotten accustomed to just shutting the TV off and then jumping up and going and doing something else. I want you to make an altar right where you're at. When you shut this off, I want you to turn on some Christian music. And if you are a kneeler, you kneel. If you are a walker, you walk. But I want you to enter into prayer right now because somebody right now, this is the chance for you to walk in deliverance because you've learned the secret that in my evil day, I will pray. When the hard times come, I'm not running from God, I'm running to God. And I will pray in the Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it may happen in your own living room or in your own kitchen right now. Just ask God to give you that gift. And then you pray in the Spirit and with power because you mess up the kingdom of Satan when you pray. So church, let's be known for being people of prayer today. Father God, I ask right now, that for those that are going through an evil day where it seems as if hell has been unleashed on them, that you would raise up a standard around them and that as they enter into prayer, that the Spirit of God would protect and enable them to be able to walk through this and face this battle head on in the power of our living God. Satan, you have no right to us. We belong to God. And in the name of Jesus, we command your forces to lay down their weapons as we march through in victory because God is our victory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.